Well, hello, Supernova. How are you? I am incredible. Hello, welcome to Chronically Narnia, where we are discussing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, book one of the Narnia series. We are reading chapter five, titled Back on This Side of the Door. And when I say we, I mean myself, Kristen, aka Madness, and Whoa. my co host, Miss. Mrs. McReady, uh, a.k.a. Chris. Darn you, children. Um, I didn't know I was... we introduce ourselves in different orders. Yeah, sometimes. I, I didn't know I was going to be hosting today with uh, the personification of madness. That kind of terrifies me, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm down for that. There's so much in this chapter to discuss with there, madness, though. There like, is. There's a lot of discussion. We finally have a chapter we can discuss things. Golly on. gee, we do. <laughs> I'm so excited. We were reading through, I, well, we, I, I was reading through the chapter earlier and just like really enjoyed some of the themes in this chapter. You have a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> don't look at my, my notes. <laughs> I was really, really enjoying the themes in this chapter and really wanted to have the chance to get in and discuss some of those. Stop. I, I'm, I'm bouncing because I'm excited. I know, but you're going to hit the desk and make a little popping sound for our listeners, which is not going to be pleasant. Yeah, like that. See? It's a giant spike. <laughs> that was the second one. Uh-huh. The first one wasn't hard enough. Uh-huh. Anyway. All right. Um. But I did want to say, this is a little moment I didn't get to share with you and I wanted to share with you. Someone told me um, the other day at work, um, they were just like, you you really have a great voice for voiceover. You should do voiceover. And I was like, well, I do do a podcast. And they're like, okay, good. At least you're doing something. And it was just a happy little moment for did me. You, did a complete you... stranger. No, I wasn't going to suggest <laughs> in my podcast that they should listen to it if they wanted more of my voice in their life. Because that's weird. Um, <laughs> Got to do those shameless plugs. I'm glad you had a compliment. It was nice. I do like your Someone voice. Someone liked my voice. That was like not being like, where are you from? Your accent's weird. Which is a, something I get more than I should. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, back to the themes on this chapter. Yeah, we have a lot um, to talk about, um, so we should jump right into our summaries. All right, let's do our let's summaries. Let's do that. Uh, you do it first because I've been very talky. All right, uh, loyal listeners, you know this segment. Uh, this is where we just go through the chapter, pick five sentences that we think summarize the story. That's why we call it a summary. Uh-huh. And let's just go ahead and do that. So See, I missed my... that before. I'm so glad we finally explained We explained, that. I know. It's I... these weird segment names that we have. Yeah. So here's my, uh, without further ado, my sentences. What's an ado? <laughs> Isn't that like a farewell? It's like an allot. Oh, it's an allot? Uh-huh. Is it like a that? cousin? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Anyway, uh, starting with sentences. He decided to let Lucy down. It was not surprising that when they found Lucy, a good deal later, everyone could see that she had been crying. How do you know, he asked, that your sister's story is not true? One has only to look at her and talk to her to see that she is not mad. After this, things were a good deal better for Lucy. 
So you named yourself after McCready, but you didn't even get to the part where McCready was in the story? Yes, because I don't They think... all climbed into the wardrobe yes, but... at the end of this yes, chapter. Yes, but thematically it's not important. Like, thematically I felt, and I know you would have issues with this, thematically I felt like this chapter is entirely about, like, Lucy getting vindicated. That's the theme of this chapter, is Lucy, you know, being no. being screwed over by Edmund, and then she gets vindicated. She doesn't get the... vindicated in this chapter, not even a little bit. Kind not, of. Not, nope. No, they get into the wardrobe, period. She's not vindicated. Okay. There is a grown-up who's saying terribly weird things to Susan and Edmund. And Peter. no, whoever. Yeah. yeah, that one. Anyway, the I thought I thought one. my this was the how I read the chapter. That's it's a subjective summary. It's fine. Go ahead, read yours. Okay, you just didn't summarize the chapter. <sighs> I so think I feel I did. like it's, you know, something that you could consider slightly objective. I did. Anyway, go on. All right. Go on, Edmund. Tell them all about it. He decided to let Lucy down. Either your sister is telling lies, or she is mad, or she is telling the truth. And after that, whether it was that they lost their heads, that Mrs. McCready was trying to catch them, or that some magic in the house had come to life and was chasing them into Narnia. They seemed to find themselves being followed everywhere until at last Susan said, Oh, bother those trippers! Quick, said Peter, there's nowhere else, and flung open the wardrobe. Okay, fine. See, I your, your summary's good. I, I missed the big sentence about McCready, which was good. Oh, I didn't miss it. I decided not to throw it in there. Uh, I would say... That I, I think next chapter is going to be important that they're in the wardrobe. I don't think it's important that that's, this happens at the very end of this chapter. Because like the ba- the meat of this chapter, which we'll get into, is this conversation we have with Professor Kirk, who we finally meet and get dialogue from, and the interactions with the children. And I think the relationships between the kids is the really the highlight here. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Before we do, I have a couple glossary uh, things. I did some research on some unfamiliar terms to, to throw in there. We probably won't even mention them, uh, even no one was in one of your sentences. Glossary. Uh, glossary, it's, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I thought this was dictionary. So. They, well, yeah, whatever. I'm going to define some terms here. <laughs> Can you define glossary for me? <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, you didn't look that one up? I'm not an English major. Uh, anyway, I didn't have to use books. I was a religion major. <laughs> Uh, so one of your sentences included the word trippers, which it was seemed unfamiliar to me, which is basically, you know, in context, just another way of saying tourists, basically. Yeah. Holidayers, vacationers. Uh, and the other one, the other one was the phrase sharps the word. Yes. Which I had maybe maybe heard before. And it, it basically is the same thing as look sharp or, you know, attention or something like that. So that's, that's what that means. That's the only thing I could research in this chapter, so. Research adjacent <laughs> with Chris. Did my did my job. Sorry. Research adjacent with McCready. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. You have stuff to talk about. Let's get yes, into it. Yes, I do. It. Okay, so I chose two of the sentences that I chose on purpose because of the parallels and the imagery and the symbolism and things like that. Uh-huh. So, in one of these sentences, we have a series of things. We have three options about Lucy that could be true. Either she is telling lies, or she is mad, or she is telling the truth. So these three options are presented 
kind of in this little moment of figuring out what's going on. And then in my second, my fourth sentence right after that, that when they're running away from McCready, there are three reasons why they can't get away from her that it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. One was that they lost their heads, essentially that they're mad, that Mrs. McCready was trying to catch them, or that some magic in the house had come to life and was chasing them into Narnia. I just liked these three things that, that just kind of paralleled each other with madness and dishonesty and that echo there magic um or truth as mm-hmm. some would parallel them to be in this particular part of the book uh-huh um but yeah no i i i chose those sentences specifically because of the symbolism in them that i felt like really signified some of the the main points that i had drawn out throughout my reading when i made my notes separately from that i did want to say you and i both chose uh, a, a same sentence he decided to let lucy down this i posted on instagram today while i was reading it just because i couldn't um move past that sentence and ignore the weight of it that it had for me because it just like definitely had like an emotional resonance that really really hit me where it just you've gotten to like the meat of of relationships in children like for, like w- between siblings mm-hmm. where there can be these moments where someone lets you down or these moments where someone decides to let you down and it really i i don't know it just resonated the way that he phrased it mm-hmm. because it very much kind of put this forward message this message forward to the to the reader of like don't forget that there's a difference between people letting you down and people choosing to let you down. I don't know. It just, it was a sentence that really resonated with me and I was actually really happy that we both chose it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that one. I wanted to start off our discussion because since I like to go, you know, chronologically through the chapter, usually with my discussion points because, yeah, chronically. <laughs> uh, anyway. See, and I was really hoping there- to do this one thematically. Those are, well, we can do that, but I wanted to hit a couple things here really quick. Uh, since you're going to talk a lot, I need to get some things out there now. Um, <laughs> take some breaths. So one of uh, my first discussion points was narrator line, and now we come to one of the nastiest things in this story. Yes. Uh, which, given what we know happens in the rest of the book, like I feel like that's saying something. Yes. Uh, where, you know, so forget anything that happens with the queen and, you know, the, you know, Eventually, attacking Aslan yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which, you know. This is one of the nastiest things that happens here is that Edmund makes a decision to lie and, you know, say Lucy's crazy or lying or whatever. Which I think is is more potent on a second read through when you're already familiar with the events of the story. Mm-hmm. But yes. It really is saying something that it's just like, yeah, no, this yeah. is one of the nastiest and meanest things. Yeah, uh, out of spite. And uh, there's also this other line that connects to it. Uh, Edmund, who was becoming a nastier person every minute. Yes. So Edmund is like falling into this pit of like, he ate the Turkish delights and now he is... Immediately. Yeah. Immediately, not necessarily magically influenced or anything, but is very much under the influence of something. Uh, 
And he was already not a great person because we have Peter just lay into him. And Peter has this great rant uh, mm, in this yeah. chapter. Peter's great <laughs> rant ends with Edmund being very taken aback. Yeah. Uh, and Peter just lays into this kid and being like, hey, you're a jerk. You're doing this out of spite. We know that you're, you know, you have it out for all everybody who's younger than you. We've seen you do this at school. So partially this is who Edmund is. Yeah. Like Edmund's just kind of, you know, a bully. Uh and somebody who wants to pick on people that are smaller than him. You're also seeing Edmund through the eyes of his older brother in this rant, though, so you do mm-hmm. also have to consider that yeah. but this, this is, is not... Edmund's older brother we're talking yeah, about. But this is also not this is not a complete character shift for Edmund. This oh, is yeah. something that's within his uh, realm. Um, so anyway, we have that happen, and have the whole argument between them and then Susan's just trying to be peacekeeper and saying, you know, hey guys, stop it. We don't need to fight right now. And I I find it interesting from a relationship dynamic standpoint that Susan doesn't really get on to Edmund about this. Susan's just like, oh, hey, he's going to do what he's going to do. She's just trying to keep the peace at this point because she's seen her older brother start yelling at her younger brother that this is who he is and he's never going to be better. Like, she's just... Yeah. She's stepping in in a protective role without chastising her older brother in front of the younger brother. Yeah. You know, she's doing what she can to get this instance to stop. Yeah. So, that being said, uh, let's jump into kind of where you want to spend some time here and uh, talk about the professor and the conversation we have with him. Um, I have, separate from that, but still okay. continuing with the conversation with the children. Okay. When they find Lucy and she's crying, and she's clearly been crying for a while, mm-hmm. what she says to them, and I wrote down symbolic question mark, mm-hmm. she wrote down, you are all beasts. 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 And I found this sentence very, you know, like, we're going to meet all of the talking beasts in Narnia. Uh-huh. And at this point, she's been in Narnia twice. She's had some some toast, and she's Lots met a fawn, and she hasn't necessarily that we know of met any talking beasts yet. But this is the word that she uses to describe her siblings here in the way that they've treated her. And I just I want to like encourage us to focus on that <laughs> worse the use of that word. Beasts yeah. as it continues to come up. So we're making the statement that the, a fawn is not a beast. I mean, <laughs> I, when I say the talking beast yeah, versus like the bipedal. Yeah. I don't want to be a fawn flute racist. Plane. Yeah. He's creatures. like half beast. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Only the lower half. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> um, but then, all right, so we have. Uh, and I did want to briefly return to a conversation we had in one of the last two episodes where you asked why the nor- the door to Narnia was intermittently present. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wrote down, like, is the door to Narnia needed? Is it choosing? Is it calling? Or is there some magic in the house chasing them into Narnia? Um, and yeah. I, yeah, like, that was... That just brought me back to our previous conversation just to mm-hmm. kind of throw that in there if there was anything else that brought to mind for you. Yeah, um, for sure. And that kind of connects to part of this conversation they're having with Professor Kirk. And there's this great line where either Peter or Susan, I can't remember which one off the top of my head, is like, 
Well, if things are real, they're there all the time. Well, sir, if things are real, they're there all the time. Quote from Peter. And then the professor's like, are they? Yeah. Which that's the thing I wanted to spend some time on. But let's get into, into madness for a second, because there's a lot of talk about madness uh, and how we can prove with logic that Lucy is not mad. Um, yeah, like I wrote down the word sanity when I read this sentence. Uh-huh. Lucy was perfectly all right when we left home, but since we've been down here, she seems to be either going queer in the head or else turning into a most frightful liar. Uh-huh. So that I wrote down sanity because of this line about queer in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Professor Kirk uses the word madness mm-hmm. when he says madness you mean mm-hmm. um and i think that it's interesting that the immediate response like professor kirk sitting there being like logic don't they teach anything <laughs> in school like what are they teaching you in school and peter is presenting a very logical argument like he's sitting there being like she said there's a thing here when i went and looked it wasn't there mm-hmm. so either she's crazy or she's lying. Yeah. Because all of the logical evidence which suggests that what she is talking about can't possibly be. Uh-huh. Therefore, logic says she's lying or she's crazy. Uh-huh. And she doesn't realize that what she's saying isn't true. And then Professor Kirk is just like, or she could be telling the truth, you know? Well, things things aren't always there all the time if they're real. Uh-huh. And I just... <laughs> It seems so incredibly, um, just like confounding Uh because this is also happening in the same conversation where Professor Kirk asks about which one of Edmund and Lucy is more reliable to be truthful. Uh And I'm like, I heard, like I read that sentence where he's just like, well, which of them would be more truthful? And Peter and Susan are both like, well, until we got here, I would always say Lucy, absolutely. No questions asked. Lucy's the more truthful of the two. Mm-hmm. And Professor Kirk's like, well, let's go with the one that you know to be more reliable. And I was going, oh, all right, so reliability and storytelling, knowing your source. Yeah. And then we immediately follow that up with this conversation about madness and how maybe things that aren't always there are still real and things like that where the kids don't know the professor like yeah. we still don't even know his name is kirk yet and did we like, not i thought we that i thought first chapter introduced him as professor professor kirk uh second chapter but i don't know maybe okay um and so we have these kids who don't know this man so they've got this man who's just like, well, maybe things aren't the way that you think they are. And what are they teaching you in school? Logic. And Peter's like, but here's logic. Logic. Um, so I just found it interesting that he's telling them which one's more trustworthy and then telling them more information. And they're just like, are you trustworthy? Like, mm-hmm. um, I do like the fact that when we will eventually get to Magician's Nephew, or if we read him in the wrong order, when we read Magician's Nephew, we have this paralleling of the idea of, you know, we could get into other worlds and that other worlds exist. And uh-huh. the professor is very much kind of presenting Peter with this, and Susan, I guess, um, of this idea of other worlds existing and peter's just like what like around every corner like what are you talking about um so yeah thematically this idea of reliability and storytelling you're knowing your source 
like madness and just logic like madness can be a logical answer but then also so can magic (laughs) like okay cool um i feel like uh, lewis was also setting up the house to be the source of the magic prior to writing the magician's nephew and making it more about the tree that we learned got turned into a wardrobe um because that he makes the point like three times that the professor is like, I don't know this house too well. And like, well, even even the professor who didn't know the house that well and all of the stories that were told about the house. So we can get into the house as its own theme and we can talk about House of Leaves again. But all right, I think those are all of the things that I wanted to cover. Would you like to talk about any of them specifically? Hi, excited co-host. <laughs> You know what, in the last episode, it was like 90% you talking. I was like, well, I deserve this one. <sighs> um, so did you feel like you covered all that, or do I need to jump in, and, and do we need to cover, cover these things? <laughs> or did you say everything that you wanted to be in this podcast episode? <laughs> I cut off everything about House. Okay. Um, Just down to the end. So my thoughts, uh, I had the brief thought reading the, the whole passage of them talking about madness, where I was like, I wonder if Lewis ever read any Lovecraft. And yeah, I mean, what what his thoughts on that would be? I really want a Lewis essay on Lovecraft mythos, <laughs> uh, which time wise, totally a thing that could have happened. I think by the time Lewis died, they they were still very obscure. Like Lovecraft published all of his stuff around the thirties, forties, and they wouldn't have been big for another several decades. But yeah, it's entirely possible that he would have read some of it. Yeah, um, um, I also think that it would be a very interesting thought experience experiment thought experiment to read this whole entire story with lucy as an unreliable and mad character Uh uh-huh and that like i I want to see this story through that lens as well like rereading it with you know i feel like that's hard to do since we have all the other kids in narnia too and they're all saying the same thing and so it's well, Lucy's was not narrating really, this entire thing. Or so. was Lucy sent by herself to the <coughs> professor's house and none of this ever happened? It's such a boring way of storytelling. I, I hate that trope so much. Like, okay. the whole it was all a dream thing. It's just so lazy. What else? And I, I feel like that's just one of those things you pull out of the hat when you're like, oh, I wrote myself into a corner. I, I need a twist here. I didn't say that I, I like that kind of story. Okay. I say as a thought exercise, it's, it would be an interesting exercise. To do with this story. On our Redux, where we do this whole book series again. We'll do that. Um, No. Anyway, so we talk about madness and logic, and we, you know, establish the fact that Lucy is not mad. And at no point in this whole very circular conversation does Professor Kirk even remotely let on to the the fact that he knows anything about Narnia. Like well, he, he talks he is, about other worlds, yes, and, he but is, he does it very much the same way his uncle did. Yeah, but he is sitting there with absolute knowledge and absolute certainty that Narnia exists. He has been there. He knows for sure Lucy's telling the truth, and he's sitting there just being like, maybe she's right, but I don't know. Is she mad? And then his, re- and, his resolution isn't like, talk to her about it his resolution is mind your own darn business <laughs> like this yeah. is the suggestion he made like at no point does he want to let on to the his you know the knowledge that he has why do you think that is he's very why is he tight-lipped about it i think that i mean part of it probably has to do with knowing his audience like uh-huh. he is talking to the two logical kids who are genuinely worried about their younger sister 
uh-huh. and they don't need to be put in a position where they're worried about the sanity of the person watching over them. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the sanity of the person watching over them, you know, besides McCready, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, really has my heart. She doesn't like the children. <laughs> she wasn't fond of children. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we just have this kind of like moment of these children coming to him in vulnerability. And I feel like it's important that he respected that. Like, yeah, by him co- coming out and saying like, nah, definitely real. Uh-huh. Like, nah, I, I don't know. So going back to the line uh, where he, he's like, Peter's like, or not Peter, uh, the professor's like, well, either she's mad or she's lying or telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, these are the three possibilities. Do you think this is a statement about faith? Do you think that's an undercurrent of this whole conversation? It might be. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like you can say that it is either madness or truth or lying. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So, and that's 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 what I read into it as an undercurrent of this conversation where the professor is just like, you know... You're, you're missing option C here because Peter's just like, well, either she's mad or she's lying and doesn't consider the fact that, you know, obviously this could be real, which is when you come in with, uh, you know, him saying, well, why can't it be real? Yeah. And it's, that's very, Peter's very much the person who's just like, well, I can't see it or experience it. So I'm going to invalidate this other person's experience. Yeah. It's placing <laughs> no value on the story or... Even the reliability of the person that's speaking just because you couldn't experience it. Uh-huh. Regardless of how reliable your storyteller was. Yeah. Well. But if something's real, is it real all the time? That's, uh, that's another, <laughs> that's another thing. Like, if we're taking that within the context of a faith conversation, mm-hmm. like. We're getting real deep into philosophy here. Yeah, we're getting real yeah. deep into philosophy <laughs> Because there, you know, there are things that you can experience and then never experience again in life, whether it's in a relationship or in a faith situation or... Yeah. I mean, we could, <laughs> we could get into yeah, like... Yeah, like how you're just like, yeah, yeah, you didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> anyway, so we were saying... Yeah, I mean, we could get into a discussion of like, you know, quantum mechanics and like the idea of Schrodinger's cat where, you know... This tells us that there are things that exist which are neither real nor not real until something forces them to go in direction. Like, there are things that exist in a state of being neither or. Yeah, but that's a condition. Mm -hmm. Like, the cat doesn't cease to exist when it goes into the box. Just its condition can be multiple things at once because until we observe it, we don't know. Uh So I would say to, to correct you on that, Schrodinger, Schrodinger's cat exists, uh-huh. whether we can observe it or not. Yeah. So yes, the thing that's real continues to be real. But what we can observe about it, what we can understand, what we can quantify it as, uh-huh. is going to change based on our ability to observe. Yeah. So let's, I mean, briefly talk about the the quantum state of the wardrobe, uh, yeah. which is my next book that I'm writing, um, <laughs> where... <laughs> Uh, Just, you know. When the wardrobe doors are closed, we have this portal to Narnia, which either could or could not exist. And yeah. it does something either way, depending on who's going into it. Like, we can talk a little bit more about the house and how the magic of the house makes this happen. 
but it seems very much like that kind of thing where somebody opens the wardrobe and goes inside it and the wardrobe decides to do something. Yeah, it, the door falls is into, either there or not. Yeah. But the door exists. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> I'd say the door exists, whether <laughs> yeah. it's open or closed, okay. is a condition of the door. There you go. Whether somebody activates the wormhole or not. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, do you want to talk about the house a little bit? I mean, I figured you would. I, it was, I didn't go, I didn't write any notes about it because I figured it was something you would bring yeah, up. Yeah, it is. This? It's something I was going to bring up. Um, so, or, or do we need to talk about Mrs. McCready? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you can if you want to. I, I, I have already said in previous episodes all my feelings I care okay. to share on McCready. It's like she, we introduce a new character. We got to talk about McCready. Uh, she's been introduced previously by name. Yeah. And she does tours. That we can move on from this topic. Uh-huh. Um, so the last time that we talked about this, yeah. I said that we talk about this call of Aslan. Yes. Where he calls the cabbie's wife into Narnia and where he calls the kids through the hedge, maybe. He calls the kids through the picture, maybe. Maybe he's calling the kids through the wardrobe. Um, and I think that it's more of a summoning of Aslan mm-hmm. than it is any of the other things you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and before we, you know, move on and close this up, I'll say about this summoning of Aslan. We'll definitely get more into this topic uh, later into this book. It's when some- Aslan actually exists yeah. as a character. Yeah, and it's something I want to bring up more because I think there's a lot here. But if this is a magic, you know, that's like a call of Aslan and that's his will bringing the kids here, why do we need four random earth children to come and fix the problems of narnia it's in the prophecy that we haven't been introduced to yet so it's a moot point and topic (laughs) and so (laughs) now we can go ahead and go into our chapter rewrites our narnia fusion buffet (laughs) oh no (laughs) the one vote on the twitter says that it's narnia chopped and that's it just chopped (laughs) The one vote on the Twitter says... No, I said that already before I sneezed. Oh, I thought you were just cutting yourself off because you're no, in a sneeze. that's it. Sure. No, um, that was Nathan. Okay. Nathan. He just put... When I put the vote out there, he like responded, chopped. Narnia chopped. Cool. So. Uh, thanks, Nathan, for naming our segment for us. Uh, Welcome to Narnia Chopped. Narnia Chopped. <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and read your rewrite first? Um, Sure. It was an unpleasant evening. I believe you did it simply out of spite. Why do you say that, said the professor. But it's all nonsense, said Edmund, very taken aback. Madness, you mean, said the professor, quite coolly. Hmm. Okay, what's your idea here? It's a creepy conversation between the mad professor and Edmund on an unpleasant evening. There you go. Well, any, anything further you want to add there to the universe that you've created? Uh, I mean, I think that it informs some of the, the madness of the professor. Like, I mean, we we definitely have a pers- an adult speaking as no grown-up would, talking about how logic's not logic, uh-huh. and that they're not teaching the kids logic in schools. What are they teaching the kids in schools in this time period? <laughs> not logic. Not logic, obviously. Uh, they're not teaching them that in schools these, these days either, are they? <laughs> yep. Darn Gen Z kids out there with their... Can you just read your (laughs) summary, please? 
I'm trying to be a crotchety old man. All right, let's get in my summary. I enjoyed this one thoroughly. It's not a summary. My summary of my, whatever. My rewrite, uh, enjoyed this one thoroughly. So here we go. It was the sort of house that is mentioned in guidebooks and even in histories. And, well, it might be, for all manner of stories were told about it, some of them even stranger than the one I'm telling you now. Lucy had no time to have gone anywhere, even if there was such a place. What has that to do with it? said the professor. Well, sir, if things are real, they're there all the time. And now we come to one of the nastiest things in this story. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my What's the nastiest thing in the story? My disappointment that the word hallways does not appear once in this chapter I is know. immeasurable. You wanted a hallway. <laughs> you really wanted a hallway to have a because I, I house this of is this is the reference. this is the closest I've gotten to be able to do like a ha a, you know scary house yes. uh, story. Um, but I think you know we have. If by drawing a parallel across literature to House of Leaves, where the house in the House of Leaves represents the desires in people's heart and also, like, this idea of love and relationship and things like that. Like, mm -hmm. we also have this idea of this magic in the house kind of representing some of the broken relationships in the kids. Like, and it's a big house and they explore it together and then one of them finds something and the others don't understand and it causes this row between them fight. Causes this like kind of breakdown in the relationship where people are being horrible to each other. Yeah. So anyway, um, but I really like what you did. I you, yeah. I was going for a similar feel, but dialogue based, and you kind of exceeded that. You know how I like my narration and my. Uh... Maybe you should have done yours first, and then mine could have been a conversation happening in that world. We got close there. You know. Yeah. We little, did. We got a little, you know, handshake. Handshake bugs. Anyway. Hand, hand-shaped bugs. Whatever. Um, just like <laughs> high-fiving praying mantises or something. Yep, completely. <laughs> um, anyway, so that all being said, uh, so let's go into our final segment now where we look at the chapter as a whole and rate it on a scale of one to five thingamajigs uh, about you know just how well it did what it set out to do. Kristen, what are we rating it out of this time? Madness. You can't be madness and also have it rated at no. Pick a different thing. Madness. Pick, pick a noun. Well, that's a noun. Pick madness. A, pick an object. How much madness? I'm not gonna rate it out of five madness. <laughs> but um, how? Okay, Macready's. Okay, sure. I was gonna say trippers, but. <laughs> Could be trippers. Doesn't start with an M, so I can't suggest it, but can accept. Okay. You want to say trippers? I'm just going to say that I'm rating this chapter first, and I'm rating this chapter queerness of the mind. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I like this chapter much more than the previous top couple that we've had to read because there's actually things to talk about here. Things actually happened. We have a whole conversation with Professor Kirk for the first time. We meet a new character, a McCready, who's like a sub... At this point, kind of a <laughs> sub-antagonist, I guess. A sub-antagonist. Yeah, like, we have the main antagonist kind of as the witch already in this moment. Uh, or the queen, or whoever she is. But then we have McCready, who's like, oh, McCready hates the children, and she's going to chase him into the wardrobe, and maybe she's a thing later. 
uh, which he's kind of a... Maybe she's played by the same actress who plays the queen because it's all just representative of the kids' worlds. <laughs> she's like a mini-boss, but... <laughs> uh, that we have to get away from. Uh, anyway, so, and yeah, we have some fun philosophy conversation. Uh, we we kind of start the redemptive arc of Lucy and the descent into madness and despair that Edmund, you know, is taken a hold by. Um, so, yeah, like this chapter a lot. I'm going to go ahead and say four and a half trippers huh? out of five. Yeah, out, by far, this is my favorite chapter we've read so far, mm-hmm. period, of all of both books. Well, okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any any final? I already closing gave mine. I you, already, gave, you gave your yeah. closing thoughts. All right. Well, my thanks. closing <laughs> heart thoughts are that this is my favorite chapter all right. of all of them I've read. Well, as previously stated. That being final said, thoughts. Thank you guys for joining us uh, and you know getting in, into it with us about madness and you know lying and children and you know McCready. Yep, McCready. Uh. If you have any thoughts to share, you know, feel free to get at us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, sharing thoughts on Instagram is probably a little harder. You can do some interpretive dance or something in a GIF and send it to us, I guess. Uh, you can tweet at us also at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us your fan art of, gosh, I don't know. Handshaking bugs. Yeah, that too at uh, chronicallypodcast at gmail.com and we're gonna join you next week for chapter six which is called it's into the forest into the forest yep. and we have all the children in narnia presumably maybe. for the first time maybe we'll see you and lucy's know. shared fever dream yep anyway until next time thanks Not summary rewrite. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't use it in your rewrite. Did oh, I say summary? You did say summary. Yeah, no, that's not a summary sentence. <laughs> but tell me more about Professor Kirk's fingers. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna find a GIF of high-fiving bugs or handshaking bugs. We'll post that on the Instagram. Uh, without further ado, my sentences. What's an ado? Isn't that like a farewell? It's like an allot. Oh, it's an allot? Uh-huh. Is it like a that? cousin? Yeah, something like okay. that. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I thought this was dictionary. There, well, yeah, whatever. I'm going to define some terms here. <laughs> Can you define glossary for me? <laughs> no. Anyway. um. You didn't look that one up? Go ahead, read yours. Okay, you just didn't summarize the chapter, <sighs> I so think I feel I did. like it's, you know, something that you could consider slightly objective. I like to go, you know, chronologically through the chapter, usually with my discussion points, because, yeah, chronically. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm sitting in a very cold chair and I need a jacket. Here, look, a jacket. Thanks.